1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Ooh. What? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Kristen, <laughs> I think I'm making you uncomfortable by saying poop.
2: <laughs> Not uncomfortable, just confused as to why you're saying poop like that. <laughs> We're going to talk
3: about poop, lady poop. And I think that the idea of poop and ladies together makes people really uncomfortable.
2: Well, enough with ladies. We're, let's, let's call it women. So I thought,
3: poop. I thought I would just say poop a bunch of times so people can adjust to their uncomfortableness. Yes, Or discomfort would be a better way to say that. And let's get on with this topic, because people like to believe that women don't poop.
2: Yeah. Poop, yeah. And by the way, you know, if uh, if you guys would like to commence with a drinking game right now, just do a poop drinking game, because we're going to talk about poop a lot. Poop, poop, poop. And evidently, Molly says it like a hoot owl. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think it's time. We've talked about periods. We've talked about semen. We've talked about all sorts of things. But one thing we haven't talked about, Molly, is poop. Poop. It's high time to talk about it. Women poop, too. But women are really uncomfortable about it. We were talking
3: uh, before we came in here about what's known as the bathroom showdown. Yes,
2: here at the How Stuff Works office, and I hope this really isn't divulging too much information because I think this happens at offices all across the U.S. of A. And Canada. And Canada. Beyond, and, Canada uh, and beyond. <laughs> There's a thing with pooping in private in the, the women's bathroom. Like, if you go in any given day, you will see a pair of feet in one of the stalls, and they're not budging, and there is no sound coming from that stall, and it is obvious that one of your female co-workers is waiting for some uh, privacy to poop. Yeah, we can't poop around each other. No. Then, then, you like. might, then you might let out a fart. There might be some awkward splashing sounds. And, of course, the telltale smell. Because no one wants to be that person in the bathroom, the office bathroom, who makes the poop just in time for another co-worker to walk in and smell whatever god awful thing just came came out of you because you obviously made a poop i mean there's no hiding it yeah it's really embarrassing you
3: know what i dislike is if someone right before you came in and left the smell and then a coworker sees you walking out and you want to be like that
2: wasn't me yeah I have, I I may or may not have in my lifetime at some point, not in this office, totally done the preemptive blame game, like walked out of a single, single use bathroom, like, whoa, someone <laughs> before me, man, really? Okay. I'm talking about my own poop. <laughs> Let's move on. It's just,
3: you know, we think it's unladylike. Yeah. Women are supposed to poop roses and unicorns. Yeah. I wish I pooped. And unicorn. they don't. So we're going to talk about what poop should actually be, because you know what? Kristen apparently has a real hang-up on smell, but if it smells, that just means that your gut is working the way it's supposed to.
2: Yes, we found some very handy factoids on WebMD about what's normal with pooping, because while we would like to think, you know, perhaps that that pooping is not something that that women do, on average, people go once or twice a day, but many people go even more, Mm -hmm. and then some people go even less. I mean, it's just, you know, everyone... Everyone poops differently. There is no
3: normal amount of poop that should come out of you. The Mm -hmm. only thing that would be abnormal is if like you're used to going once or twice a day and then you don't go for a week.
2: Yes. You like some, somehow get off kilter. And another thing that might indicate that something abnormal is going on is the color of poop. Usually it should be brown because
3: of the bile in your gut. When it pushes it all out, it's brown. Mm-hmm. But if it gets if it gets funky colored, that is a sign that something might be wrong.
2: Yeah, because I didn't realize this. Uh, it usually takes about three days from the time that you eat a meal until it ends up in uh, the toilet. Mm-hmm. And if it takes a shorter time, then you might have greener poop because green is one of the first colors that will show up in the digestive process. So if it's just moving right on down, it's going to be greener. Mm-hmm. Now, some people think
3: that shape and size is a big indicator that something's wrong, but this is not true. Whatever is normal for you is what is normal for you.
2: Yeah, some people evidently used to think that uh, if your stool was, quote, pencil thin, you had a problem, but sometimes you just make thin poops, and it's okay. Just don't have like
3: a hang up, um, about being thin, thin pooped like women have hang up about being thin bodied. Yes. Don't have a poop hang up. Don't have, don't have a poop hang up. But poop hang ups are very common for women. And now we're going to get into a little discussion of constipation and diarrhea. Cause women do have tender tummies, as Kristen put it earlier to me.
2: Yeah. And I think this would be a good time to talk about one of the fave, my favorite study. That we have found so far in our, in our mom stuff journey, female bowel function, the real story. Because a lot of people haven't studied much about female bowel movement patterns. Yeah, it's very hard to find real studies about this issue. Because
3: who wants to sign up for a study where they talk about their poop? It's hard enough to talk to your friends about your poop.
2: So fun fact too about female pooping patterns, uh, one-third of females, according to the study, read on the toilet, with the majority doing so to relax or be distracted. And African-American females read the most, followed by Caucasians. And interestingly, white females will read to conserve time. Which I don't really know what that means.
3: Well, maybe if you're distracted, your poop comes out faster. Ah. Because white females do have shorter bowel movements, apparently. Like, the average time for a bowel movement five to six minutes, but it's longer in African-American females, 7.7 minutes, Mm -hmm. versus Caucasian, 5.0 minutes.
2: Uh, There are a lot of things that can go wrong Mm -hmm. with with female pooping, well, and for men too. You know, sometimes things come out a little too fast, sometimes we get a little backed up. You were talking about constipation a minute ago. Um, For women, according to the study, food is the number one thing that will... Cause changes in our bowel movement patterns, but then we also have menstruation, stress, and childbirth that can also affect it. So why don't you, why don't you throw some stats at me, Molly, about uh, about when things get get backed up? Well, let's let's make sure everyone knows exactly
3: what we're talking about. Okay. So constipation is when you normally have a bowel movement once or twice a day, and then that changes. You haven't gone in three days or more. You feel gassy. You feel bloated. You feel gross. Now you're also gonna feel gross if you've got diarrhea, which I don't. I don't know if I need you to find this one, but loose bowels, watery. Seems like everything's just coming out at once. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I, I think that's enough. <laughs> everyone's got everyone's got a good picture. But I think that what's interesting for us in terms of having a, a podcast that's interested in women's issues is that it can really happen around the time of your period. Yes. And what was interesting to interesting to me. Was this concept of prostaglandins, which really wreak havoc on your poop?
2: Yes. Prostaglandins are compounds that perform a variety of functions, including stimulating smooth muscles in the uterus to contract and expel um, accumulated uterine lining. So, in, and when you menstruate, your body is flushing out um, some of it's shedding some of the, that uterine lining. So it kind of kickstarts menstruation, really. Yeah. So, but then if the body makes more prostaglandins than it needs, a woman is more likely to experience stronger cramping and um, pain in her period. And They also think that with this prostaglandin overproduction might get into your bloodstream and affect your bowel movements. Mm
3: -hmm. And just as the prostaglandins help your body flush out the uterine lining, it'll start helping your body flush out everything in the organs it's affecting, which is why you might have uh, diarrhea or constipation uh, around the time of your period. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So just another fun... Menstruation symptom. But it
3: affects all women differently. Yeah. Obviously, you're making different amounts of prostaglandins, which is why I know for some women, this is a big issue. For others, this might be news that this happens mm-hmm. to, to ladies.
2: And another digestive issue that some doctors think is linked to menstruation because it happens a lot more in women, something called irritable bowel syndrome or mm-hmm. IBS. Mm-hmm. IBS.
3: Let's talk about it because what um, is interesting is more women report it. More women are likely to go to the doctor with complaints about IBS. That doesn't mean that more women have it. Men just might not be talking about their poop with their doctors. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but the syndrome does affect 25 to 45 million Americans. It's pretty common. And about two-thirds of them, or at least the ones who report it, are women, according to the International Foundation for Functional Gastrointestinal Disorders in Milwaukee. So let's talk about some symptoms. If you've got
3: recurring cramping, pain, discomfort in the lower abdomen, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, or alternating diarrhea and constipation that is mild or severe, that lasts for 12 weeks but not necessarily consecutive weeks, then you might have IBS. Oh, and I forgot one symptom, mucus in the stool.
1: Oh,
2: which I don't want to forget that. <laughs> don't forget about the mucus. Now, IBS is tricky to diagnose because it's categorized as a functional disorder, which means that there's no known physical cause. So a lot of times people will be having all of these GI problems and very painful bowel movements and they'll be totally undiagnosed and therefore untreated for years and years and years. Mm-hmm.
3: And it can affect, you know, your ability to go to school, go to work. Um, it might affect you wanting to go to parties and whatnot because who wants to have bowel problems at a party? Not me.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a 2002 survey by the Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, and it found that 39% of people with IBS say that they had either missed work or had a decrease in productivity on an average of 6 to 16 days Mm -hmm. over just a 3 month period. And 90% said it limited their ability to perform daily functions. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, anyone who's had a case of diarrhea knows, like, when things are not going well in the tummy, it's just, it ruins. day yep it's not it's not fun
3: it's not now the reason we brought this up um, right after menstruation is that women often have an increase in IBS symptoms around the time that they menstruate so that to to some doctors like Kristen said earlier you know people thought there was a link but but there's really no known cause as Kristen said but we're going to go over a few of the theories
2: but backing up a little bit, uh, doctors have concluded that people with IBS have a more sensitive GI tract, your gastrointestinal tract, tract, which is essentially your your esophagus to your rectum. Now,
3: what was interesting to me is that we think of the human body as, you know, getting messages from the brain. Mm-hmm. Brain works down. Mm-hmm. But uh, this New York Times article about IBS that came out in 2003 started talking about all the information that goes the other way, from the gut to the brain. And that is why you could have such a bad day if you have diarrhea. I mean, it's not just feeling bad. It's your messages from the gut are telling your brain distress,
2: distress, right? I didn't, watery poop. <laughs> I didn't realize this at all, but according to this article, the number of nerve fibers that are signaling information from the gut to the brain is about nine times the number that travel from the brain to the gut. And so when things are going wrong in your tummy, you have far more... Nerve signals telling the brain that everything is out of whack, which is probably why it's so painful and hard to deal with. And on a side note, Molly, you know, the uh, the phrase gut reaction, and mm-hmm, gut feeling, gut feeling, that's where it's coming from. Yeah,
3: like if you have a stomach ache when uh, maybe you're thinking about taking a job, it might be a sign that your
2: gut's like, I don't think so. I don't We're know not going to be happy at that job. And that's also why you uh, get feelings of butterflies in your stomach when you're nervous because of that connection. From the brain to the enteric nervous system, which is basically the, the gut's, gut's little, the gut's brain.
3: So now the reason why we're concerned about these, um, these nervous systems and the connection between the gut and the brain is one hypothesis for the cause of IBS is that something in that chain is misfiring, that there is some connection that's broken.
2: And that's why the gut manifests with all these awful, painful symptoms. And doctors have pinpointed serotonin which is a major neurotransmitter that we talk about, I think a lot on, on Mm Sminty, um, that not only helps regulate your mood, we associate it a lot with your, your reward system, uh, But it also regulates your bowels. And there's actually a lot more serotonin housed around the gut than there is in the brain. Mm -hmm. So doctors think that people who might have um, serotonin imbalances will also suffer from more IBS or gastrointestinal problems. And linked to that, have more stress and anxiety problems.
3: Which does put you in a sort of a vicious circle way, does put you at risk for IBS. Mm -hmm. People with high levels of stress and actually people who have really significant trauma in their past, like sexual abuse, domestic abuse, they are more predisposed to IBS, perhaps because of this uh, brain-gut connection. Mm -hmm. Do you think that all that serotonin in our gut is why when you have a really good poop, you're really happy?
2: Maybe so. I mean, am I alone in feeling that? No, not at all. A good poop is satisfying. A satisfying poop. It's hard to, to a satisfied to body. So,
3: in less than satisfying news, however, there is no cure for IBS, um, and there is, you know, really even no way to diagnose this. Basically, they they rule out everything else uh, that might go on with your gastrointestinal tract, and then be like, well, it might be IBS.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times you might get a uh, you might have a colonoscopy performed, where they'll stick a stick a camera. Your colon to see if there's any irritation going on in there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the catch all sort of
3: poop problem uh, disease. Poop,
2: yes. But there are
3: things you can do, and there are things you can do if you just got an ordinary, you know, run of the mill case of constipation or diarrhea. There are things that can be done, like most notably diet modification.
2: Yeah, because you're going to have certain foods and beverages that are going to make stomach problems even worse. And the common ones are fried, fatty, and spicy foods, and alcohol and caffeine, chocolate, carbonated liquids. Basically, anything that is delicious or intoxicating in any kind of way yes, um, might wreck your stomach. And then on top of that, we also have things like dairy products that contain lactose. I don't know if you know anyone who's lactose intolerant, you know, sometimes that can hurt the stomach. It hurts the stomach. Got sweeteners like sorbitol and then wheat products because of a lot of times the gluten mm-hmm. in it, if I'm not mistaken, will be the irritant. And then we have beans, broccoli and cabbage and other high roughage mm-hmm. foods that just take a lot of work to break down.
3: Right. And it's interesting you mentioned, uh, gluten because I do want to say that celiac disease, which is the disease uh, most associated with inability to diagnose gluten, can often be misdiagnosed as IBS or vice versa. But just remember that uh, celiac disease does have a definitive diagnostic test,
2: whereas IBS does not. And then to round out our list of potential irritants, we have certain medications and vitamins. But there are certain foods and beverages that you can consume that will alleviate these symptoms. Your tummy loves fiber and water. Fiber and water. A lot of us do not Eat enough fiber every day in our diet. And a lot
3: of us don't drink enough water. Yeah. But up them, up the ante on the fiber and the water. Yes. Regardless if you have IBS or not.
2: Yeah, it's just good. It's just good for your body. Keep your system clean. And then keeping your stress at bay is Mm -hmm. also important. Exercising, doing yoga, um, cognitive therapy, acupuncture, all of this stuff because of that connection between your stress and, and your stomach. Meditate on having a good poop. Very good, Molly. And then, uh, we also have, uh, some medications that can treat it, um, specifically anti because a lot of times uh, when you have GI problems, it will be because when food is passing through on its journey to the toilet bowl, it will cause your intestines to spasm. It can be very painful. And so there are, uh, there are medications that you can take that will, that will keep your, your insides calm while It is processing the food, and you have antidiuretals like Imodium and then also antidepressants because, once again, going back to that stomach-brain connection.
3: But before you start taking medications, of course, you need to see your doctor. Yes. Because some of those medications do have side effects. Now, you might have a question about things like probiotics and the yogurts that will make you poop which I think we've talked about a little bit before, haven't we, Chris? Jamie Lee Curtis, Activia. Jamie Lee Curtis and a little Activia. Um, There are no studies yet. It's still sort of an emerging field that people have their eye on, so it's not a definitive cure-all yet. Um, But that's where we are with IBS. I think the best things that you could do, um, even if you're just feeling a little low one day, not necessarily even having IBS, is just watch your diet, reduce your stress, go for a walk, meditate on the poop.
2: Yeah, but pay attention to the symptoms and don't let it go. Untreated Because you don't want to talk about poop. Yeah. Talk your doctor can listen to you talk about poop. Your doctor doctors aren't gonna be squeamish about your poop. Just listen to us.
3: Listen re listen to this podcast. Listen to how many
2: times we say poop and hopefully it'll open you up and just want to talk about poop. Yeah, because Molly, I don't think that I have ever talked this extensively about poop to another person. I haven't either, and I'm sure there are
3: people out there who are a little disgusted right now, but probably. You know what? In the in the name of the old book, everybody poops.
2: Yeah, and you know what, Molly? I feel a little bit more bonded to you, um, because of this extensive poop discussion.
3: And I, you, and next time I go to the bathroom,
2: you might come to mine.
3: I might not do a bathroom showdown the next time I've gotta gotta
2: poop. Yeah, I might just go ahead and let her rip. Just go for it. <laughs> oh, please do. I probably won't because I'm a coward. But enough about Molly and mine's thoughts on pooping. We want to hear from you. Poop! We want to hear about, you know, if, uh, if you've got problems with IBS, if you are horrified that Molly and I just said poop about 65 times in the past, oh, way more than that, <laughs> a few minutes. Let us know your thoughts. Um, and, and, you know, keep it clean though, people, even though we're talking about a dirty topic, if you will. Momstuff at howstuffworks.com is the email address. And speaking of which, Molly, let's read a couple of emails. <laughs> Okay, these are from our
3: female director's podcast, and we have a few omissions we'll just kind of go through quickly. Jesse reminded us about Amy Heckerling, who directed some classics like Fast Times at Richmond High and Clueless, which, you know, is a modern-day classic. So Amy
2: Heckerling, shout out. Mia pointed out a big one that we missed. Miss Penny Marshall directed Jumpin' Jack Flash, awesome, followed by Big... Hello, yeah. we missed out on the director of Big, uh, Awakenings, A League of Their Own, a movie that we have d- talked about, Molly, Renaissance, The Preacher's Wife, which I may or may not have watched a number of times because I may or may not have a crush on Denzel Washington, and then Riding in Cars with Boys. Yes, many of our listeners wrote in about, about old Penny. Yeah, Penny Marshall, actress, director, Barbara producer. Streisand
3: is one that we also left off. Yeah. And Wade reminded us that we forgot Mary Heron, who directed American Psycho. Huh. So there are many female directors out there, but not as many as there are men. Yes. So thanks for those additions, everybody. And again, our email address is momstuff at if you think of any female directors or again, any thoughts on poop. Our blog is how to stuff and it is at howstuffworks.com as are numerous articles. Probably not on poop, but on everything else. On IBS. On, on IBS. On tummy trouble. On tummy trouble. Those are at our home base, HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. start
1: planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed.